Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our online service. We're happy today to tell you that as of this Sunday, we've resumed our in-person services here at EPC. If you'd like to attend a service, you need to register in advance by visiting our website and clicking on the registration button you will find on the homepage. There will also be there a short video for you to watch about what church will look like following the health guidelines. Registration for each week's service will open on Monday at 9 a.m. and close on Friday at noon. As always, you can connect with us via Facebook or Instagram, but we do hope to see you in person soon. Have a wonderful morning, and God bless. Good morning, Evangel. We're pleased to be with you today to worship and praise together. Let's bless his name.
Today's reading comes from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 29, verses 4 to 14. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there, do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Good morning, everyone. Kellogg's cornflakes were created by William and John Kellogg around 1894 as a healthy instant breakfast alternative. Over the next 100 years, their company developed many other types of cereal using sugar and food dyes and marshmallows, but cornflakes continued to be a top seller because it was seen as a simple, basic, healthy option. That is, of course, until the early 1990s when other companies began making cereal from oats, which was promoted as a healthier alternative than corn. Between the sugary alternatives and the new healthy oat-based options, cornflakes were forgotten. The result was a dramatic drop in the sales of their iconic brand. In an attempt to get their customers back, they pitched cornflakes for what they were, simple, basic breakfast cereal that most people had eaten at least once in their lifetime. And their advertising campaign was this, taste them again for the very first time. What Kellogg's was attempting to do was to move their brand forward by encouraging people to go back. Move their brand forward by encouraging people to go back. Today we are launching a new sermon series for this fall entitled RE Series, Moving Forward by Going Back. Now, the prefix R-E, re, literally translated means again, or again and again. And so throughout this series, we will be focusing on themes 
that we need to consider again and again as we move forward to be who God has called us to be. We're going to begin today with resolve, resolve. And the word resolve means to make a firm decision on a course of action. Resolving to do what God is asking his people to do has always been central to successfully moving forward. Today, we will be reminded if we are going to move forward into the next season that God is leading us into, we will need to resolve to do what he's asking us to do, even if it is difficult. I believe that Jeremiah chapter 29 gives us exceptional insight into how God calls his people to resolve to do the right thing, even in the midst of deteriorating and painful times. My first point this morning is context. When you read the Old Testament, you see God creating a people who will honor his name in a way that not only affects their lives, but will impact the nations around them. We see God's promise to Abraham, slavery in Egypt, the wilderness exodus, leading to a promised land that was given to them with clear instructions and conditions. They were to meditate on the law of God. They were to live their lives in obedience to it. They were to be faithful to God and not be influenced by the idolatry of the surrounding nations. In turn, God would be with them. God would protect them. God would bless them. They would be the people of God positively impacting the nations around them. But there was a problem. Both the leadership of Israel and the people of Israel sinned continuously. They refused to listen to the warnings of the prophets of God. In fact, they mocked God's prophets. They broke the covenant. And the result is, is that God made good on his ultimatum. If they refused to be obedient and faithful, they would be scattered throughout the nations. They would be exiled. So we see in 597 BC, 3,000 Judean Jews, elders, priests, and prophets of Israel were sent to Babylon in exile. They went from living in the promised land to living in a strange foreign land. Unhappy, homesick. They want more than anything for their present reality to end, for God to put things back the way they were before. There were prophets back home in Jerusalem, as well as among them right there in Babylon, who were prophesying that God was going to end the exile within two years, even though God had originally said 70 years, telling them there would be an early release, that they, would, they should resist the Babylonians, fight for what they wanted, form a rebellion. Now, this message is exactly what the people wanted to hear, Times were bad, but God was going to put back everything the way it was within two years. Good news, but there was a problem. What they were saying was not what God said. Secondly today, instructions. Jeremiah was a true prophet of God. He was living in Jerusalem. He was witnessing what these other so-called prophets were saying in Jerusalem and he got word of what the prophets in exile were also saying. And he was upset. 
Since he couldn't travel to Babylon, he wrote a letter to be carried to Babylon to address the situation. And he communicated God's words to the exiles there. In Jeremiah chapter 29, our text for today, we have the first recorded letter in the Bible. Most of chapter 29 is the contents of that letter. Now, he told them not to be deceived by the false prophets among them, that their words were lies. Their words were not from the Lord. God's intention was not a quick release. God's intention was focused instead on how they would live while they were in exile and the impact it would have on them and the Babylonians. Then he outlined four instructions from God framing how they should spend their time in this foreign context in order to make the most of their opportunity. First, he told them, build houses and plant gardens. The houses God referred to here were family homes. The gardens were kitchen gardens, not farms, for the express purpose of growing food for the family to eat. Shelter and food were the foundation of survival. And so what God is saying was simply this, settle in, establish a home, live as normal as possible among these strangers, unpack your suitcase because you're going to be here for a while. Secondly, God said, get married and have children. God's intention once again was life as usual to grow as families, even though they were living among strangers. Now, there was a challenge because there were many specific details of how the Jews culturally arranged marriages. They would need to modify that somewhat under these circumstances. And so God is saying to them, don't be afraid to make adjustments. Make it work with what you have. Thirdly, pray for peace and prosperity. The focus of this prayer was not for themselves. The focus was for the city that they were now living in. And so God is saying, don't resent the strangers around you. Don't reject them. Pray for them. See them as people who are candidates to become the people of God, just as you are. Pray for the prosperity of your city. If your city prospers, you too will prosper by association. This was not a time to revolt against their context as these false prophets were suggesting. This was a time to trust God that he would work in the midst of this darkness if they were faithful to do what he asked. And finally, God said, reject the spiritual ignorance. God said, there are people around you who hold spiritual offices, who are saying the things that you want to hear. They're trying to rally you. They're trying to convince you of certain things. They're attempting to bring you to a certain type of action and response. But God said, don't listen to them. Don't listen to them. Don't let them deceive you. They claim to speak in my name, but they're not speaking my words. I didn't send them. Thirdly, hope. God's words to the exiles included a promise for the future that would instill hope in them. The only way for them to know true hope was to trust in God in the midst of these terrible circumstances, believing that what God was promising for the future would come to pass even though the present reality said something different. God said he would bring them back when the time was right. There was an end date. God said, I have a plan. You may not understand it, and you may not know what my plan is, 
but I have a plan. And it's a good plan. It's not meant to destroy you, even though it's going to be hard for you. In fact, it's meant to prosper you, to add to you, not to take away from you. There will be a time in the future when you will leave this foreign place, God said, and go home. And when that time comes, you will call on me and I will answer you. You will pray and I will hear you. You will seek me and you will find me. Your current reality is not your destiny. If you stay focused on me, if you trust me, if you live as I've asked you to live through this difficult time, a better day is coming. There is no question that we find ourselves in the midst of overwhelming and challenging circumstances. The global impact of the COVID-19 pandemic is provoking a wide range of emotions, fear, anxiety, anger, frustration, hopelessness, exhaustion. So the question we must face is this, how do we move forward? I would suggest there is no simple answer to this question, but there are some things found in our scripture today that I believe can help us. The Jews in our scripture were in exile because they disobeyed and exile was the natural consequence. I want to declare unequivocally today that I do not believe that this virus is God's punishment on our world. That being said, I believe we can relate in many ways to their situation and what God said to them at that time does give direction to us. I believe resolving to embrace these things will help us to move forward. The first one is resolve to make the most of it. The Church of Jesus Christ was birthed in the midst of persecution and controversy. Even in the book of Acts, we see people being taken from their homes in the middle of the night, arrested, beaten, and some of them even killed. The first 300 years of the church was marked with persecution, punishment, murder, rejection. Followers of Jesus met in secret because they feared for their lives. They met secretly in their homes, in underground catacombs, in burial areas and cemeteries throughout history. Right up to today, followers of Jesus have been persecuted for their faith, so they live secret lives, gathering secretly, sharing pages of scripture that they keep hidden, encouraging each other, all while living under the imminent threat of death. It's happening all over the world, even today. Yet, Throughout history, despite the persecution, the church has thrived. It has advanced. In fact, one could argue that the least impactful time that the church has seen throughout history is when the church has been accepted and promoted by government and culture rather than persecuted. The very identity of the church is rooted in rejection and persecution. It started with Jesus and it will continue on until the end. So the question that begs to be answered is this, how is it possible that despite the persecution and horror inflicted on the followers of Jesus throughout history, that the church has not only survived, but thrived? How is that possible? Well, I believe it's because followers of Jesus have historically decided to embrace the power of the Holy Spirit and make the most of their circumstances despite their hardships. 
God instructed the Jewish exiles to make the most of their circumstances and find a way. The Holy Spirit has led the church in a way that calls for the church to make the most of its circumstances and find a way. I believe that God is calling us today to stop waiting for the pandemic to pass, to stop letting our spiritual lives spiral downward because we can't yet gather as we were before we were impacted. We need to stop believing the lie that we cannot live for Jesus in the way that he's called us to during this time. Resolve to make it work. Resolve to find a way to love your neighbor and share God's love. Resolve to find a way to grow in your faith. Resolve to use whatever means is available to connect with your community of faith, even if it's not like the way you used to. Resolve to continue to invest financially in the kingdom of God, in your church community, so that ministry can continue to go forward without restrictions. Folks, if we want to move forward, we have to go back to resolving to make the most of every situation as the church has always done throughout history. Secondly, resolve to live in humility. In our scripture today, God asked the Jewish exiles to resolve to pray for their city that was led by and filled with people who rejected them, people who believed different than they did, people who lived different than they lived. Because if the city prospered, they too would prosper by association. In essence, what God was asking them to do was to love their neighbors as themselves even in these difficult times, for the benefit of the bigger picture. It takes a lot of humility to put your own emotions, your own feelings, your own desires, your needs, your own conveniences aside for someone else, especially for those who don't align with your values, your ideas, and your opinions. May I remind all of us today that we are followers of Jesus. Philippians chapter 2 verse 8, Paul writes, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Folks, Jesus is the example of humility that we follow. I believe that God is calling us today to pray for our leaders, to pray for our authorities, that they might have wisdom. I believe that God is calling the church to set an example of humility in society by not putting ourselves first, but putting consideration of others above our own. Much of the resistance that I have personally observed from followers of Jesus to the requests of government health officials during this time, I believe is rooted in pride. It's rooted in arrogance. It's rooted in rebellion and selfishness. And so may I remind all of us today, the freedom that Jesus gives us is the freedom to gain life by laying down our lives for the benefit of others. We are given freedom so that we can give our lives away. Jesus has given us the freedom to live in humility just as he lived in humility. Folks, if we want to move forward, we must resolve to go back and rediscover the humility that Jesus modeled. 
Thirdly and finally, resolve to seek and discern truth. We can relate to the Jewish exiles. Many of us do not like where we find ourselves. We miss what used to be. We want more than anything to go back to the way it was. And so in that regard, we can relate to them. In the time of Jeremiah, there were Jewish prophets of God claiming to be speaking on behalf of God. But in reality, they were spreading fake news. And Jeremiah had to address it. In difficult times, some people twist the word of God to fit their position, to fit their opinion, in order to convince others to agree with them and cooperate in their agenda. Now, I can say that because I have personally received emails during this time from people who have taken scripture out of context in order to convince me that EPC's course of action at this time is not aligned with God's desires. Now, truth be told, what they're really doing is they're trying to spiritually shame our leadership into going in a direction that they would like to go by misquoting and mishandling scripture. And I want you to know today, that's a very dangerous practice. In difficult times, there will always be those who claim to be speaking on behalf of God in order to convince others to agree with them and cooperate with their agenda. You see, personally, I've also received a few words of, from God through this time. People writing me to say, quote, I just feel like God is asking me to tell you dot, dot, dot. Now, some of these people, I've never ever met them in my life. They've never even attended this church. And their purpose is to inform me that God wants a course of action different than where we are currently going, and we need to correct that as soon as possible. Folks, the truth is, again, they're trying to bully the leadership to go in a direction that they believe is right by claiming to be speaking on God's behalf. If there was ever a time that we need to be able to discern truth, I believe it is now. I don't claim to have exclusive access to God's voice. I wish God spoke to me directly more. It would make my life and my job so much easier. In fact, personally, I'm very cautious to use the words, God wants me to tell you. I'm very cautious to use those words. But what I do have is a desire to know the heart and mind of God. I have a desire for the Holy Spirit to lead and direct us. I have a respect for those whom God has placed in leadership among us in this church. And I have a goal to be able to say, when we look back on this time, as they did in the book of Acts, it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. Folks, the truth is, God is not absent in all of this. God is working. God has a plan. And it's a good plan. And it's important for us to understand that and join his plan. Because if we, the church, want to move forward, we must resolve to seek and discern truth. In the midst of all the voices we're hearing, to hear the voice of the Spirit.
Truth that is rooted in the word of God, handled properly. Truth that we see modeled in the life of Jesus. Truth that is not twisted and manipulated for someone's personal gain and opinion. If we want to move forward, we have to go back to resolving to making the most, the most of every situation. If we want to move forward, we must resolve to go back to rediscover the humility that Jesus modeled. If we want to move forward, we must resolve to seek and discern truth, truth that is rooted in the word of God, truth that is modeled in the life of Jesus, truth that is not twisted and manipulated for personal gain. Folks, if we are going to move forward into the next season that God is leading us into, we need to resolve to do what he is asking us to do, even if it is difficult.
I want to thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that something of this service meant something to you personally this morning. And so if we can be of assistance to you, we can help in any way, please let us know. Email us, call us, and we'll do what we can to come alongside and serve you. God bless you and thank you for being with us.